stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. It's the Brave Maker online experience. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Tony Gapastone, one of your co-hosts. What's going on, Tony? I'm Christina Jackson. It's good to be back. I'm so excited. Hey, 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 we're doing this. We've realized we can start saying it's happening every Friday, basically, because we have yeah. guests lined up every single Friday. Super fun. I am headquartered in Redwood City, California, the San Francisco Bay. And normally, Christina is in the Bay, but she's relocated normally. for some time. I have, yeah. I'm here in LA. I'm about 10 minutes from downtown, right off of Broadway, and I'm having a ball out here, enjoying the sunshine. It's hot. It's hot. We have another heat wave it's going hot. on in California. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's well, my jam, though. That, that's I know. I, I love the heat. Christina, every time I hang out with her, is cold, and it could be 90 degrees, and she's asking for a heater or a yeah. shawl or a sweatshirt. Oh, she's got her yeah. hoodie on. What is happening? I don't know, but I love it. I so, love to keep it tropical. <laughs> You do. Today, we have a special guest, as we do every week, and we're really excited to welcome Emmy Award-winning producer, Lisa L. Wilson. Hey! Hi, guys. Hi, Tony. Hi, Christina. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we didn't didn't realize we were going to have two guests. We don't have Lisa, but we also have Emmy. (laughs) Yeah. No, we do. We do. You better let her shine. I know. I literally have everyone that comes like over to the house because it's so, I normally position it in different places. Like I used to hide it and they were like, why are you hiding it? It's an Emmy. I'm like, I don't know because it didn't match my decor at the time. You know, so I'm like, one of my my good friends said she'd wear it around her neck if she could. Yep, yep. We were saying that before the show back in the green room. I think that the Emmy should be like the new Jordans. Like that's the status symbol, not what you could afford. But what you've done, like the work yeah. you've created and what's yeah. some of that. So I love that. Yeah. Word around. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Lisa, jump in and tell us the story. We want to know all the stuff. Yeah. We want to know oh your backstory. But God. since the Emmy's right next to you, tell us how you got her. You know, it's so funny because this Emmy is actually part of my television backstory. So I was in a completely different industry whenever I first started. Um, I decided that I wanted to jump in and produce television. Didn't go to school for it. You know, I'm a business major. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to do this. I was that kid that would stay up late at night watch something and see a Coke can turn the wrong direction and go, you know what? That shouldn't be turned that direction. So I just love storytelling. And I decided that I'm going to actually, and I'm going to date myself, open up the paper and see what jobs, you know, because at the time they had like the classifieds where you look in there and find your job. And there was a PA job for a court television show. So my first job in the industry was working in court television. Um, and I did it for 10 years. And the first, the second show was on was Christina's Court and we won an Emmy. It was in 2008. It was my first trip to LA because I was living in Houston, Texas at the time. So coming to LA first time and just kind of looking around going, oh shit, excuse me, I'm in LA. (laughs) And so we won and it was just such a cool, cool feeling. So wait, 2008, you yeah. weren't even living in L.A. at the no, time, no. and you you start producing this show, boom, you win an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was one of those things that I start, and I literally did, like my story, now I would say this, that 
you know, for anybody who's getting into the industry, start at the bottom and just learn it because it's one of those things that's really going to help you as you grow through. I started as a PA. I was an older PA. So I come from the corporate world while I left a 401k. I was managing multi-million dollar accounts. And I just said, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I did what I had to. And I started as a PA. I was getting coffee for people. And I started doing like my AP's jobs, my producer's jobs. And I just worked myself, you know, like up the ladder. So amazing. So can we know, and I know yeah. you're a pretty private person, how does a little <laughs> girl from Houston end up in LA? Like, let, let's talk about that. Like, what was your childhood like? How has it made you uniquely, uh, let's see, let's see, what's the right word? Yeah. I guess still to do what you're doing now. You know what it was? I love talking to people. So whenever I got into court television, it was one of those things where I'm a daughter of an attorney. So I was already in kind of like the know when it comes to legal and court, small claims court, that's all court shows are. So you're talking to people, um, you're getting to know their story. And I love that. I'm a storyteller and I love real people and everyone has a story of their own. So when you get an opportunity to really help someone in the aspect of court television, you know, that was, it was exciting. It was fun. It was a lot of work. I wouldn't suggest anyone going the court television route unless you're ready to work. But it was, I never thought I was going to be in LA. I wasn't that person. I was like, oh, I'm going to jump in and go to Hollywood. That wasn't my flow, like at all. I just literally probably thought I was going to be in New York, you know, because I'm like that Southeast Coast girl. So when one of the court shows I was working on um, decided like, hey, we're going to up and move the whole show to L.A. because it was a Fox production. I said, you know, I guess in order for me to really just, you know, start to, to blossom, I'm going to have to make that that jump. And I did. So it was a lot. It was very uh, nerve wracking because I didn't know anybody in L.A. Like I wasn't I didn't get in this industry where I had a mentor. I didn't have friends that were in the industry. I didn't I didn't know anything about this industry industry, like really getting into it. I just knew that I loved television. And so I just wanted to do it. I, I want to comment on that because you are definitely speaking the values of Brave Maker, like going out there, making it happen. I mean, we I didn't have any coattails to ride on to. I always tell Christina, I'm going to ride on her coattails or as she says, her cape tails, because <laughs> it's hard out here, right? Trying to create and make things happen. But what I love, I hear about your story, and this is really interesting uh, for our viewers and those who are listening on the podcast later for replay. If you want to be in the industry, you have a unique story already. You don't realize it, but whatever your job is, whatever your family of origin and whatever makes you unique, there is a place. So you were working in the court system already and had a sense of that and then just kind of pivoted to then produce stories like that, which I think is really fascinating. Do you have any kind of like thoughts about um, like for people wanting to take the leap? Like what else would you suggest that they do? You know, the one thing that I, I, I said, and I had a lot of conversations, I'm an only child, so I have very professional parents. You know, again, my dad's an attorney, my mom was an, an executive uh, in an industry. So it was, don't look back. Um, if you're gonna do it, do it and do it. Like you have to really make sure that's something that you're going to love and don't do it because you wanna make, it, make money and get rich. Do it because it's something that you love and that you're gonna be passionate about it because once you take that leap, there's really no going back. So that was really important to me just to make sure. And I thought about it. I slept on it. I prayed on it. Uh, I talked to, you know, just other people. But at the end of the day, it was something that I said, you know what? 
I'm going to do this for me. And I don't want, I'm not the person that's going to say, well, what if, like, what if I didn't do that? I didn't want to do that to myself. So that's why I just say, like, if you're going to do it, take the leap, but just don't look back and trust yourself. Did you always know you wanted to be behind the camera? Have you ever had any inclination to get in front of the lens? That's a good question yeah. because she she was saying earlier she's always behind the camera. But oh, look how you're yeah. amazing in front of the camera. You are like I, you very know natural. This is yeah because I'm not like there's you know I'm just like I'm in my house right now so I feel I'm in my, yeah. safe, I'm in my safe place. Um, you know it's interesting because I never wanted to be on camera. Um, I did do the whole drama class in, in high school disaster. I literally was so shy growing up that it just wasn't my thing to have a whole bunch of people. I didn't want the attention in the room. I was never a attention person. So anytime I drew attention directly on me, it became very uncomfortable. But I knew that I loved the story. So I loved watching other people. And then I would be that person going, oh, you know what? What if you did it this way? So then I became the one behind the scenes in the school productions versus like, you know, on stage. And that was comfortable for me because, and I, I, I just, I love that. I love the take, you know, giving the direction, but now girl, you, you cannot put me in front of a camera and think, just go action. Uh-uh, no, I'll be that one. I will give you stage fright and just be like. <laughs> <laughs> we have a comment from Robertina who says, I love your energy and resilience, inspiring mm -hmm. career journey. Thanks for sharing, Lisa. You are a brave maker. Yes. Oh, thank you, Robertino. And I love that name, Robertino. I know. You can't even say that story. You'd be like, Robertino. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he is he he often calls himself like Madonna or Cher. He's like, he's a one name guy, Robertino. Just Robertino. That's all you need, <laughs> Robertino. You don't need a last name or middle name. Like you just Robertino. You heard it from Lisa L. Wilson. Uh Lisa, tell us about so your projects. You've got a lot of stuff going on oh, right yeah. now. And if you look at your IMDB credits, uh, you see you've got a lot of live action things. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. so talk about that. So one of the things uh, in, you know, in LA that I did, I, I never did, live television is so exhilarating, but it can be scary if you're not ready for it. And I'm one of those A, B, C, D planners. So when it comes to productions, if something doesn't go right, I have a B and C like already. Anyone that's worked with me knows they're like, okay, Lisa, what else are you gonna, like, what do we have if this goes down? So live television is one of those things that I loved. I was working for um, Revolt. And Revolt is, um, you know, P. Diddy's network for people that don't know. It's a music programming. And it was so fun. Like, we had a show called Revolt News. And, you know, I helped create, you know, that from the bottom up with uh, the executive producer, Eric Watson, at the time. And it was just creating content. Like, you, we just literally had a piece of paper. And we're like, okay, what's going to be our A, B, C, D, E blocks? And we just had to fill in the blanks. And so live television, we had music artists, we had live interviews, we had a social media component and everything happens live. So if one person is late, you're rotating that show. This is something that you think on your feet and anyone that's worked with music artists or talent knows they're probably gonna be late. <laughs> so think about juggling an entire show live while you're in action and there's no stopping it. We have had a couple of times where some of our guests show up almost like on the minute yeah. and Christina and I are ready to go, okay, what are we going to do? What are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk. 
And that's so you, it. I love that. So you like you like that kind of thing. You feel yeah. like that's energizing and yeah. But you have to have a, you have to have a solid crew behind you because you can't do it by yourself. So I'm that person that would literally you know shift the show around. So I'm like what they call sitting in the chair. So you're typically like that line producer where you're moving the show around, going okay, we can do this, 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 and this until this person gets here. Change the script. Let's get it updated. Talking to the host in their ear, going, "This is what we're gonna do. We gotta change." And you're literally just going, but it's something that pumps through you at the time when it's happening. After it's over, you want to fall on the ground and <laughs> grab a drink. But during it, you're like, this is like, yes, come on, people. It's like literally that energy in the control room is like nothing else. We got Leroy commenting saying, great story. Lisa is the bomb and great insight and wisdom. So if you are watching live, feel free to drop in some comments and or questions for Lisa because we're digging in. Christina, take us <laughs> away to the next. Lisa, what does it look like? I, I want to hear more about the physicality. For people who don't know, what does it look like for a producer? Are you at home behind the computer? Sometimes you're on set. Like, what does it look like before the pandemic? And what does it look like now? That's a really great question, Christine. And Leroy, I have to say hi, Leroy. Um, for Leroy is a great supporter. Love, love, love him to death. Um, so yeah, before the pandemic, awesome. Like, you know, you're in a control room, you've got your director, which is a person that's my right hand. You know, you've got your prompter, you've got, you know, a producer, audio, sound, lights. You have all these people that just kind of make it the component of a, of a control room. And it can either be scary for some people or really fun, depending on what your task is. Like every control room is run differently. I like to run a fun one because I want people to really enjoy their time on the show because it's already grueling and it's already fast paced. It's intense, uh, especially if things go wrong and there's technical issues, you've got to just go. So I like to really have that room just kind of ha be a happy space until it's not. Um, but, you know, in set life, you know, just having that set and having your crew, it was really fun. And I think anyone that's worked on production, you know, pre pandemic, it was just, you know, set life is something that is just, you just have fun. And, you know, whether you're doing entertainment or you're doing live news or you're doing scripted, it's just being in that element on set and just being with the people, the creatives, the story. I'm a team player. So anyone that I work with, I'm like, okay, so what do you think? Like, I know what I want to do, but it, it may not be, it, there may be an easier way. So it's, it's all, you know, so that's great. So I had a control room, which is all good. Pandemic sets in. <laughs> That was something that I never even imagined in our lifetime. Because obviously we heard Spanish flu, like that was kind of like the only thing that people can kind of connect to what we're going through now. And so it was like, okay, now we got to switch to everything at at home. And so my producing partner, Garcelle Beauvais, a lot of you guys know her from Jamie Foxx show and um, Coming to America. So we created a production company probably a couple, about two or three years ago. And there was a talk show that we were actually in the middle of pitching. Um, it got picked up by MGM. Well, then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of like, all right, everything just halts. You can't go into live studio settings. So we created a podcast in the middle of the pandemic and it's called Going to Bed with Carcel. And it was just, it was fun. It was just girl talk is what we talk about. So that was one of those things where it, it, we kind of just maneuvered and everything was done at home. Like, you know, she created, she has her studio setting at home. I have like everything, you know, at home. So my panel, like I've got about four computers. You don't want to see it. It's like all a hot <laughs> mess of cords. 
Um, we had an audio person in, in like New York somewhere. We've got a, you know two co-executive producers, obviously MGM, a distribution. Like it's literally all of these working parts to create one thing and everyone's doing it remotely. That is phenomenal. So yeah, the idea of pivoting, right? That word yeah. is I almost kind of like exhausted with it because I've said it so much the past seven months. Yeah. But so you had a you had a talk show and you pivoted to a podcast and it's at the top of the charts on iTunes at this point. Yeah. So so podcasting is a very viable job these days. I mean, yeah. Christine and I do this. We're not making money on it yet. Uh, <laughs> you will, Breakmakers. Okay. So talk, talk to us about that. Talk to us about sort of like the business plan and how that works. Is it all about the advertising and stuff? Anything you can tell, tell our listeners and viewers about that? You know, it's interesting because this was the first podcast that we'd done. Like, again, I've produced tons of shows, but I've never done a podcast. So it was interesting to see the business model. And because of the pandemic, the business model changed a little bit because people are so used to getting in their cars and literally in their, you know, their, their route, they were turning on podcasts. Well, now people are at home. So podcasting wasn't as, um, you know, I, I, it started to dwindle just a slight bit because you didn't have people now on a commute doing podcasts or looking at television or whatever. So we just basically just said, you know what, let's, this is something we took our show and we just changed a couple of components and we structured it like you would do a show. Like we've got our, you know, our ABC blocks and we just kind of flowed through it, but we learned we didn't have, we didn't pilot the podcast. We literally started shooting and then we were just out there. But we had great partners, uh, MGM, Radio Nation, Podcast Nation. It's like three, you know, beast of, of businesses that are helping us, you know, get this podcast going. And we just started to fly like it. You know, everyone has like their bumps in the road because you're trying to figure out what's your format, what's going to set this podcast apart. But, you know, with Garcelle, like that's one component you already have that sets it apart because she's just vibrant. And when she talks to you, she can make you spill your life, your secrets. I've never seen anybody be able to do that. And that's why I don't talk to her. I'm like, mm -mm, I'm mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> so it was, and you know, it's fun. Like you, we just were um, ending our first season, 26, you know, episodes and, you know, hopefully getting that next one. But we, you know, the business of it, you start to, you know, get some sponsors and you start getting those emails going, oh, so-and-so wants to do this. And you're like, oh, really? So it's exciting because you're seeing, you know, a new, a new side of business. And again, pivoting. Yep. That's what's happening right now. So everything is different. Even with ad sales, it's all different. Interesting. I was telling Lisa and Christina, I listened to it yesterday <laughs> morning while I was on a dog walk early in the morning. It's called Going to Bed with Garcelle. Garcelle is out this beautiful woman, very sultry voice. And it was like it was like dark and kind of, I was looking around going, I felt like I was listening to someone's personal conversations yes. in the bedroom. I was like, yeah, it's hot. It is so good. If you have not listened to Going to Bed with Garcelle, it's so much fun. And I'm super yeah. inspired by how you shifted gears and created something. So we are all at home. So we're not in our yeah. cars listening to podcasts. But the way that you guys have it set up where you have the cocktails and you have this really casual, intriguing conversation, it's just a really nice escape at home. Like if you make that part of your routine, if you make that your happy hour, uh, you're set. Yeah. You're set with Garcelle. 
and that's what it is. You know, it was designed, you know, as a late night, obviously, because of the content, um, you know, late night show. And so that's what we, because a lot of times we talk, like it was, it started because this is something she used to do in her house. She'd have like friends over and people would just sit around, they would drink and you just have conversation. And every single time people would go, why isn't this a show? This would be a show. So one day we looked at each other and we like, let's make a show. So we shot the pilot on our own and we just started shopping it around. We, you know, like when we pitched it to MGM, it was just a great meeting. We felt the synergy immediately. They got it. And it literally was just something like Tony, you said, you felt like you were almost like this voyeur, I think is the word you used yeah. before we started. And it is, it's that because we want you to feel like you're part of the conversation, almost listening into something that you shouldn't be at the same time. But this is the kind of stuff that we talk about and people learn. Like we have so many people that tweet out, that comment, go i didn't know that like we learn a lot of things on the show <laughs> that's really fun so go check out going to bed with garcelle if you're just uh finding us on youtube or facebook i'm tony gapison with my co-host christina jackson and we are with emmy award-winning producer lisa l wilson and that's her shih tzu, who's, shih tzu. Wait, who's waiting for a treat give me a treat mom give me a treat i just threw one i just threw one on the ground as soon as she sees it sorry hey we welcome dogs we're inclusive of all people yeah. all species we're all good uh i'm gonna turn it over christina what's the next intriguing question you want to you want to ask <laughs> But you've done so many projects. So your jam is exploring and discovering life through the lens. What has been the most exhilarating thing to not only discover for yourself, but to share with all of us? Oh my goodness. What is the most exhilarating thing? Uh, you know, I think it's just finding out and learning me. I, and being, the, I think the, I'll just, I'll go back because I don't want to jumble, but being confident. It's something that you think that people just have it. And some people, maybe they do, but a lot of it's just getting to know yourself and being comfortable with you. And you're constantly growing. I'm constantly growing. The one thing that my father always told me is that you're not done. You're never done. He's 73 years old. He's always saying that you're going to continue growing. So it was just getting to know who I am and being comfortable with me. Obviously, you know, I'm a black woman. I'm a black woman in an industry that sometimes it's a lot of times it's rough, it's hard, it's disappointing. Um, you know, I work really, really hard, but sometimes you just get that disappointment and you don't know why because you really shouldn't, you know, be told no because you're the one, you're, you're the better candidate of, you know, the choice. But it's something that I had to kind of, uh, you know, figure out and it made me work harder. So, you know, for me, it's just, you know, perseverance and just strength. Like that is the biggest thing, strength. What advice do you have for black women in the industry to overcome, you know, there is sexism and racism yeah. in Hollywood and it's such a tremendous obstacle at time. It seems yeah. like you're just floating right over it. How do you do that? Oh girl, I am definitely <laughs> not floating over it. Honey, I am, I'm like smacking like into it and through it. Like I, I, you know, I think that every, it's good to go through challenges because it does make you stronger when you get to the other end. And, uh, you know, for anyone that I'm talking to, because a lot of times I love to talk to young people and mentor 
Um, it just even if it's a conversation, because I think that people misunderstand mentorship, that you have to go through this big program. It's just literally just taking time for someone that's younger than you and just having a conversation and really just relating and letting them know what you went through. But for me, it was just knowing that my strength and that I am good. I think that a lot of times people, as, especially as, as, as black women, we, we sometimes don't know how powerful that we are and we have to understand who we are and that, yeah, we're, we're great. Like, you know, we are really good, but because there's sometimes those outside forces that try to kind of, you know, knock that down a little bit, it's hard and you start to doubt yourself. And I've, I went through a time period of that, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was because I didn't get that position. I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get that job. And you do start to doubt because you see that other person that got it and you're like, well, why did they get and I didn't? So I just stopped doubting myself and said, you know what? I'm strong. I know I'm talented. And you just keep growing and learning. And eventually you, instead of just kind of like sitting on the sideline, you make your own lane. And that's what I started to do. Oh, yeah. I love that. Make yeah. your own lane. Yeah. We like to say around here, brave your own way. Yes. And um, yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more about so the dealing with the rejection. Uh, mm -hmm. As a producer, you are constantly pitching projects. You were saying earlier about pitching projects. You're, mm -hmm. you're going in front of executives and studios. Can you talk a little bit about how do you yeah, what's some of the, the tips you give to go into those rooms? And obviously it's all about storytelling, which you said yeah. earlier. And then how do you deal in self-care after yeah. you know all the silence or all the rejection or all just the anxiety and tension of yeah. holding that as part of your career? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where you A, when you walk in that room, know your story, know your pitch. Um, because that's the first thing that can kill it. Um, the first time I had to go into a pitch room, and obviously this was all pre, you know, pandemics, you're walking into a room, you don't know really who's going to be in there, whether it's going to be one executive or 10. And mm -hmm. I've done them all. And you've got to know that pitch. You go in there and you just power through it. You don't really think about who's in that room. You just know the story. And all you're trying to do is entice them, lure them in. But you have to know the room. You have to read the room. And if you find yourself rambling, stop. I used to tell because I'm one of those that sometimes you just kind of go on and on. Just stop. Um, but the rejection, it comes with the job. Like this is a very uh, hard industry. It can be very rewarding, but it's difficult. This is not, if you're not ready to put some, some, uh, some work in and get ready to get told no 500 times before you get one yes, then like don't get into this industry because it is that. Um, but when you get that one, yes, it makes up for all the 500 no's and it is the best feeling, but you just walk away and go, it's not, don't take it personal. Like when they say, if you're going to get into industry, don't take it personal. That's real. I love that you talked about pivoting from the business world. I also went to business school, studied finance years yeah. later, have kind of fallen backwards into advocacy <laughs> and acting. So did yeah. you go back to school? Did you take classes? How do you have the confidence? How do you feel prepared? Sometimes when you studied something and you did something for so long and you did that yeah. well, and now you're ready to pivot, is there a hesitation like, oh, maybe I should go back to, to school. Maybe I should take some classes. Maybe this isn't for me. Like, how do you overcome the doubt of not feeling like you have this skill necessarily to do that? 
You know what it was for me? I am a researcher, so I look at everything. Like the beauty of things like master classes now for people, that's awesome because they didn't have that kind of stuff back then. But what I did is mine was based on experience. You know, a lot of times people went to school for it, but I do know that when you come out and like a lot of the interns, they would come into a production setting and they go, we didn't learn this in school. You know, it's just that. Like, so my... For me, it was all about experience. I soaked it up and I tried everything. I went from court television. I went to work for, you know, a medical talk show with doctors. I went to work for, you know, music. I went news, primetime, entertainment. You know, uh, you just soak up everything based on experience. So that's what I did. Like that was my education and just keep climbing and actually listening to people, reading, you know, a lot about other people's stories and how they did it and just learning and soaking up, having those conversations with the people that have come before you now. Um, so that's what I did. So just jump in, get that experience, soak yeah. it all up. Yeah. Have the confidence and start yeah. uh, creating that content. I love yeah. that. And know you're going to fall, but you get back up. Like, I think that's the most rewarding part of it is that you're going to fall and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Just get back up and just keep moving. And you're probably going to fall a few more times. But every time you do, you're going to get a new bruise and it's going to give you a little bit more confidence because you're like, okay, now I know I don't need to do it that way. Let's go for this way. So it's just, you know, you, everyone is different. And like my journey, I'm still growing. There's some things that I still, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to try this. I want to do this. So I think that as long as you realize that you are still growing and there's always something to learn, this industry continues to change. So yeah. the way people did pitch meetings 10 years ago, 15 years ago, is not the way that they're done now. The way you write a, a story treatment doesn't necessarily mean that's the way you do it now. So I think that that's the fun part of this industry, that you can really have fun and kind of create content. And as long as it's done in a really creative way, you can turn heads. I, yeah, I love that, the idea of the changing and how things have evolved in the industry. Uh, it's really hard if you're someone who doesn't like change because, yeah. <laughs> you know, those who don't change die uh -huh. in this space. And we're seeing yeah. that right now, right? With how, yeah. if you don't pivot, if you don't find a way to get your product, your story, your talk show into a different space, then it's not going to be. So that's really, really good advice. Let's talk about, so uh, you produced some episodes of the Red Table Talk, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. when I saw that, I was like, Jada Pink. Smith, what you got to work with these ladies? Like, yeah. what can you say about that? How was that experience? You know, that was a really cool experience because of the fact you're dealing with a show that was groundbreaking to have, you know, three generations of women. And it's like literally walking into your own family <laughs> where you're talking to your grandmother, you're talking to your mom if you've got a daughter. So it was a really cool concept. So to, to, to get to see the viewpoints of three different generations from the same family and help people at the same time because a Red Table Talk uh, audience, they are a huge audience of women, um, mainly women of color, but you know, they're just like, it's everybody really. And it's such a cool uh, conversation because you're talking about things that people are scared to talk about, that they can't turn to their own family to talk about. So they created this room, this table where someone that can't turn to their own family is now turning to this this red table to actually feel like, hey, I'm going through this too. So the message boards were really big. Um, it, it, they opened the door for everyone to find someone else to talk to. 
So it was really cool. They were long, you know, we, um, you know, you could shoot one episode for two hours and, you know, you're seeing, you know, maybe 20 minutes of it when it actually, you know, airs and that's just the world of production because you just never know. Um, but it was, it was fun. Like Jada is a really, you know, cool person. Um, she, it's between Jada, her mom and Willow, they just exude that energy. So when you see them, there's kind of like this light. Um, when they do their show. So it was really, it was very, it was really fun. It was rewarding for a lot of the audience too. You were saying, so you guys would record hours and then we only are seeing a fraction of it. Do you play a role in what we get to see? Are you part of the editing as a producer? Uh, where does your role end there? Yeah, you do. Like, you know, as a producer, you do have a tendency. Um, you know, I worked in a different dynamic there. I was more, you know, like story. Um, but they're the producers that then just kind of break up and they look at the, the episode because a lot of times what people don't realize you're shooting, you know, for two hours, but there's breaks, you know, you have to kind of stop down. There'd be a bit more technical things. So what we tend to, you know, shoot is like we just keep rolling tape. So then you kind of have to go into edit to kind of find like, you know, start condensing things and really get to the juice of it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, as a role as a producer, you're always basically taking the story and just really trying to like get it down. Even right now, I do primetime news and we do interviews. We may shoot an interview for, you know, 14 minutes, but we only have a spot for six minutes. So you got to kind of get that down and find like the real meat of the story. And that's hard. It's hard because it's like trying to edit things down. You're like, oh, but that's good. Oh, but that's good. How do you make the decision to get that down? But you do. And it's it's work. <laughs> so speaking of work, what's next? What's up and coming? What projects that you can talk about? Or how yeah. about some dream things that you're interested in? What do you see your oh. future looking like? Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, right now I work, um, you know, I have another show, LA Times Today. Um, it airs on Spectrum News One um, and it's with the LA Times. And it's really cool. It's a primetime news show. Um, and we basically go inside the story from all the, with all the columnists and reporters of the LA Times. We bring their words to life. So we bring them on the show and they get to talk about how they got that story. What was it like? And just kind of getting some information. Maybe we didn't know. Um, so that's really, you know, I never, I, I never did news. I'm always like a, a creative that creates like shows. I can break things down going, okay, we need to start here, 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 here to create a show. We need, you know, the editors, what's going to be the work for the full workflow for the editors, the workflow for the producers. I'm that person that can kind of just pull all of that together. So work walking into the news, you know, arena is a little jarring because you're, you know, it's it's so it's changing it's ever changing so you can write a story and you're like you've done you've produced it and we've got great producers and then it just changes like just like one headline all of a sudden just changes because like some news just changed um but um you know other stuff on the horizon is like you know i'm writing um i wrote my first feature a couple Ooh. of years ago i know you know i've always been i've always been a writer but to sit down and actually just put pen a whole feature was accomplishment for me. So I was really excited about that. Very um, exciting. Yeah. And it got that is so exciting. I know. And I got options. So that was really cool. Right. I know. 
So um, I'm just, you know, I'm writing more. You know, I, I it's just, that's the exciting thing for me. Like, I love stories. So to be able to create it and just write, but it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So Break that down. Break that down. We have a lot of people listening and watching that yeah. are green. Like, I'm pretty green in this area. What does it yeah. mean to have wrote your first feature film and it be options? You know that I first of all I wasn't expecting that I was like okay I'm, and again it every everybody's different and just because mine got option and someone else's didn't didn't mean that mine was you know better than someone else's it just means that that's just what that company was looking for at the time mm -hmm. so it was a psychological thriller I am one of those I love 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 the old classics like Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, you know, those type of psychological thrillers spoke to me like back in the day because I just, I love the crazy. Like I'm all about a good crazy, like Gone Girl uh, stories with a twist. So writing, I did it probably not the, the way that most do. I just started writing. I didn't really know how my story was going to end. I knew how it started and I knew what the direction of, was going to be, but I didn't write a um, I didn't write a one page on it. I didn't do an outline. I didn't do a beat sheet. I just started writing. And then at some point you do have to stop and go, okay, how's this going to end? Where am I going with this? So I kind of did things a little backwards, but I wrote it in five weeks. Um, and then it went through, but I woke up with my computer. I woke up with my computer and I went to bed with my computer and I lived with it all day. And then at the you know, end of the five weeks, you have your draft and you go, okay, let me read through this. And then you start making changes. It went through probably about seven to eight um, small like rewrites before I released it um, out there. So that was, that was really fun. That's cool. Yeah, that we is are, so cool. we are trying to be uh, a production company growing. This is our yeah. second, going into our third year. And so we always love hearing stories of how people make it and you know it's a long haul so the overnight success is a myth right uh, you've been going at it for quite a long time and you you know paing and working yourself up the ranks and yeah i love it that you have paved your own way braved your own way so yeah we're really grateful for you to be on our show today thank you so much oh this has been really fun you guys are great like this is i when i was i, I always tell people every anyone that knows me knows i am not good at talking about myself it is the most uncomfortable thing for me. And I'm like, do I even sound right? Like, what is this? Like, I, I'm in, like, everyone's gonna be laughing at the end because they just know how I am. But it, it's good if my story can inspire someone else. Heck yeah. That is yeah. so wild because it seems like your superpower is identifying these really unique stories that should be told and you bring them to life. You bring them to the screen for all of us to be voyeurs and listen and watch. And yet you don't really want to be on the other side of that. So I, I think don't. that's great. That's great. I don't at all. And I work with a lot of people who are like that. They're, you know, very, you know, animated. And they can get out there and they can, you know, like they can tell their story. Just so like Garcelle is one of those that I love the way she tells stories. I am not, I can't do it that way. I can, I, I, I know stories. I can see that story. I can, you know, pinpoint what the great story is. I can write a story, but when it comes to really just like saying it and just, you know, making my story out, I just can't do it. It's uncomfortable. 
Well, you are super inspiring to us. Thanks for sharing the story and being willing to be on the spotlight. Uh, it, it means a lot to us. We are grateful also to the Jackson Agency. So Tiana Jackson is how we, we got connected. So shout out to Tiana. Thank you shout so much. Shout out to Tiana. And I want to say this, that, you know, Black representation matters. Um, there's a, you know, and right now going through what we're going through, and I'll end it on this, is like we have to make sure that we're as a black person, I'm always trying to go, you know what, we need opportunities, we need opportunities. We have to also make opportunities for other people of color. We can't be the ones that are always saying that, hey, you've got to give that person you know, a chance, you should be doing this. We have to also do it. So when I came across Tiana, I'm like, I want her. And she will tell you that when I, like, I was on, like we did our first call together, I'm like, so uh, you're my agent, right? <laughs> and she is fantastic. She's a go-getter. And what she's doing out there right now, I mean, it is groundbreaking. So I cannot wait to see what she does next. Well, great that you get to partner with her too. And we yeah. say the same thing about you. What are you going to do next? Hopefully you'll come back and share what you're doing. And uh, we're grateful. Yes. Oh, yeah. I would love to. Thank you, guys. You got yeah, it. If, so you're, if you're watching um, or listening on the replay, go to Instagram and Twitter and follow Lisa L. Wilson. Her handle is uh, Lisa Rain with two R's. Lisa Rain, R-R-A-I-N-E. Please say hi that you heard about her from the Brave Maker podcast and experience. And as always, know that we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So all of your donations are tax deductible. You can go find out more about who we are at our website, uh, bravemaker.com. We exist to support and elevate brave stories for justice, diversity, and inclusion. That's what we are. We're a nonprofit and we're headquartered in the Bay Area and we wanna see more storytellers like Lisa do her thing. So uh, join us and Christina and I always have this thing when we end our shows. We like to say brave stories change the world. And you are the story. That's oh. right, everybody. You got the story. Don't forget. All right. Take care. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.